<laughs> Good morning again. Um, my name is Tom Holland. I am the, if you haven't met me already, I know a lot of you, I've been here for a long time, so, uh, but I am the campus minister here at BPMC now. Some people have been wondering, what is the campus minister? So I've been trying to figure out, how do you explain the campus minister, as I'm trying to wrap my brain around it as well. And how many of you have watched The Office? <laughs> so you know Dwight Schrute? Dwight Schrute? You know he's the assistant to the regional manager? I think that's what I am. I'm the assistant to the pastor. So my job is to assist with the pastoral duties in the church. So I get to come up and share with you guys uh, um, certain Sundays. I get to do visitations, help with weddings, funerals, just all the stuff that uh, the, pastoral, the pastor would do. I get to help with that. And I'm doing that as I'm going to school, as I'm training um, and studying to be a pastor officially one day. So that is my role here at the church. And uh, <clears throat> before we get into the passage today, we're going to be studying Romans 12, 9 through 21. So if you have your Bibles, you could open up to that now and be ready. But before we do that, we have a quick announcement that uh, we want to do before the announcements at the end. There is a need at uh, the Maple Grove Schools or Bemis Point Elementary School. Actually, I think it's where the need is. And uh, they've asked us if we can help. So we have an opportunity to help out the school in our community, and uh, Kaylee Lindstrom is going to come up, and she's going to share some, some information about that. Oh, there she is. I'm looking at her husband back there trying to figure out where she is. <laughs> I think that might be Good morning. So as Tom said, we reached out to the school and asked um, if there was a need that we could help fill. And in years past, we've done the backpacks before school. And this year just looks so different. So we wanted to make sure that if we were providing something, it was filling a need um, that they had this year. And they told us that they are hoping to provide each student with a small whiteboard and marker so they can use those in the classroom. But then if we have to move to remote learning, they could use those on Zoom and the kids could still participate in um, classroom learning with their teachers. So we told them that that we would um, fill that need. And that looks like 450 whiteboards. So that being said, we need some donations. If you are willing and able to donate to this, um, Andrew and I will be standing out here at the chalkboard and we can take cash donations, we can take check donations, and we can take credit cards as well. Um, so this will give every student at the Bemis Point Elementary School a whiteboard, and also the sixth and seventh graders. So if you have any questions, come and find me out there. And thank you guys in advance. Amen. So um, real quick, before we read our passage today, something else about me, because I know a lot of you may know me, um, but I really want to get to know people better. I'm really trying to live into this position. and. Um, my gifting is not necessarily public speaking, okay? I can do it, um, but it's not my favorite part of the job. It's not why I want to go into ministry. My favorite part of ministry is pastoring. It's really shepherding. It's coming alongside people, having those one-on-one -on -one conversations, and just really getting to minister into people's lives. That's why I really love that part of the job. So with that said, my hope is, you know, as I'm writing the sermons, when I'm doing them like this week, and 
And really this morning, God uh, spoke to me a lot, reminding me that this message was for me this week. So this is for me, and I'm just going to let you guys listen in to what God is sharing with me, and you can do whatever you want with that. Um, but, but I really want to, to connect with everybody in this church. So anybody, you, if you have a desire, you want to talk, you want to, you want to know more about me, um, or, or this church, or what this church can do for you, or how you can get connected to this church, just anything like that. I just want to open up that possibility, that opportunity to, to let me know, and I would love to get together with you. So, but as I said, um, the speaking part is not my main gifting, but that does not mean you get out of the sermon today. So we're still going to do the sermon today. Uh, so if you would, uh, first, if you would pray with me, and uh, I always ask when I ask people to pray with me that you don't really listen to my words and, and just repeat what I'm saying. I ask that you really pray for me, pray for you, for the people around you, for this service that God speaks, because you know, I'm not going to change anybody's heart or anything like that. God will do that. So as I'm praying, just pray along with me that God's really going to move today and we're going to sense his presence today. Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this day, Lord. And I know we have covered this morning with prayer, with our, our prayer team, our worship team. Um, just, and, and I know throughout the week we are covering this service with prayer. Lord, I, I just ask that you hear those prayers, that you show up today in a mighty way, that your spirit moves through this sanctuary, that your spirit moves uh, through the people who are watching online, Father, that uh, you would be working in our lives. Again, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, Lord, and not just physical ears, Lord. It looked like everyone had physical ears, Father, um, but that you would give us a desire, the ears to really want to hear your word, to want to know what you have for us today. Father, change hearts today, change lives today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans uh, 12, 9 through 21 is our passage. And Romans 9 through 12, 9 through 21 says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In the first three verses in this passage, what we see, and remember at the beginning of uh, Romans 9, the last, last week we went through that, and, and what, we're, 
we're seeing is we're seeing the Holy Spirit work in us, right? We're seeing the Holy Spirit transform us with a renewing of our mind. So as the Holy Spirit is transforming us, here is what it looks like. In those first three verses, we see love is internalized. We see love internalized. We see that love is sincere. You know, when the Holy Spirit's working, the love here, it's sincere. We see love is devoted to one another. We see love is um, honors, love honors one another. We see love is patient. We see love is joyful, etc., etc., etc. And and as I read this, of course, the first place my mind went to was uh, Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23. Anybody know what Galatians 5 is? Fruit of the Spirit. Yes, thank you, Jan. Galatians 5.23, it's the Holy Spirit works and we gain the fruit of the Spirit. We bear fruits, right? We, we end up with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? You got to sing it. That's the only way you can really remember it. Self-control must be sung. So that's what we really have in this passage. We see when the scripture, scriptures become internalized in our lives, when the scriptures begin to transform us, when the Holy Spirit is moving in us, we see love internalized and we have fruit. And we know that that's a working of the Holy Spirit, right? Like I said, that's not anything any of us can do on our own. It's not something I can do for you. It is a moving of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working in your life. But we very clearly have a role to play in this. So the role that we have to play, what is that? What does that look like? What can we do to put ourselves in a position that the Holy Spirit can move in us? Several weeks ago, um, Mike Richner was, I think he was praying over Pastor Joe, and he, uh, he shared that as we're going through Romans, that Romans 12, 12 is his life verse. As I'm reading, as I'm reading this and, and going through Romans 12, 12, it's like, I see why this would be a good life verse. And what a powerful thing that is. What a powerful way for us to allow the Holy Spirit to move in us. So, If you don't know what a life verse is, first of all, I believe a life verse is a verse that we're going through the scriptures and God just grabs us with it. It's not a, well, I kind of like this. This is a touchy-feely, makes me feel good. But it's really a verse that God grabs us with. And when we see that God has a place for this verse, we begin to really work through it and it becomes a part of our life. It becomes a way that God is moving in us and changing us. So that is what a life verse is. And I don't believe that we have necessarily one life verse that sticks with us forever, right? Because I think that as we mature and we grow in our faith, you know, things change. And God's going to speak new things into our life. So I've had a couple life verses. The first one, well, not the first one, but one that I want to share with you from 13 years ago was John 6, 68 and 69. I had been studying communion, um, and John, six, John chapter 6 talks about it's, it's where Jesus is saying, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me. And of course, all of his followers, he has hundreds of followers, and they're all Jewish. They're like, man, dude, we don't do that. We don't eat flesh. We don't drink blood. We are not doing that. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you do this, you have no part in me. So what do most of the disciples do, or most of the followers do? They say, man, we are not following Jeffrey Dahmer. You, we are out of here, all right? But 12 men stay. 
And Jesus looks at the 12, and he says, don't you want to leave also? And John 6.68 is Peter's response. He says, where would we go? We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. As I was going through this difficult time in my life, and I'm studying that section of scripture there, and I'm struggling with, is this worth it? Is it worth following Jesus? You know, just all this stuff, everything going on. And all of a sudden, that verse in number, that verse 68 grabbed me. It's like, dude, where are you going to go? You've been down that other road before. You know where that led to. It was leading nowhere good. You hated life. Where are you going to go? So that life, that verse really grabbed onto me. I held on to that verse. I studied that verse. I memorized that verse. I meditated on that verse. And that verse slowly began to change my life. Now here's the problem. If that were still my life verse, there'd be a problem. Because my life verse now says, well, where else am I going to go? This is, all, this is all there is, right? But I've moved beyond that. More recently, the life verse that God has given me is Isaiah 30, 15 which says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. And more and more, especially a lot of you know what's been going on in my life in the last six months with stuff going on at home, with, um, you know, Jessica struggling to, with giving birth to our, our third son, Eli breaking his femur, tested positive for COVID. We had just a mess going on at our home for a while. And... Uh, God, has, had, even before that, had really been working on me and trusting him. I call God Lord, but is he really Lord? I say I trust him, but do I really trust him? So as I'm sitting at Jessica's bedside as she's just struggling because the epidural went bad, she had the spinal tap headaches or spinal headaches, whatever, um, and God spoke these words back to me again. And actually went a step further. My son's name is Eleo. And uh, we, we, we say L-I-L because it's easier and people um, can remember that better. But technically, the Hebrew would be Eleo. And we gave him that name because it means God is Lord. And as I'm sitting by Jessica's bedside, God just smacked me in the face with my son's name and said, you say I am Lord, but am I really Lord? So that is the life verse that God has really been working through me in quietness and rest, or in repentance and rest is my salvation, in quietness and, and rest is my strength. I'm sorry, now I'm forgetting it. But really trusting God through everything. So when Mike talks about having this life verse, and I'm so excited that Mike brought this up, because I think it's a great place for us to start, because when we talk about a life verse, we're talking about a verse that God grabs us with, that we read, we study, we memorize, very, very important, memorize and meditate on it. I cannot tell you the importance of really memorizing and meditating on these verses. It's incredible the new things that God will speak to you as you're going over and over and over this verse in your mind. But it's so important, and, and for Mike, who if you don't know Mike Richner, Mike is the head of our ad board, um, team, which is, he is a leader of our leaders. So I'm hoping that the people on that ad board, that the people um, on all of our leadership boards, and every one of you sitting in the pew, everyone watching at home, I'm hoping that our church takes this to heart, that life verses, that really 
letting a verse grab us and allowing a verse, allowing the word of God ultimately to change us, that is what we should be doing. And when we do that, that is when love becomes internalized in our lives. Once love is eternalized, there's a natural overflowing of that love. I think of Psalms 23 when it says, um, the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. My, he anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. When love becomes internalized into our life and we allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work, to continue to pour into us, to continue to fill us with his love, that love starts to flow over and it becomes externalized. So what does that mean, love being externalized? A lot of our sermon, I I meant to do this ahead of time today. We're going to talk a lot about Richard and Sabina Wormbrand. Wormbrand. Uh, If you have not read Tortured for Christ, I encourage you. This is a great, great book to read. It's like Bonhoeffer, but easier. So it's a much easier read than 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 Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But it really goes into... God's grace, it's not cheap grace. We are called to so much more. Um, so we're taking a lot out, I'm taking a lot out of this today as, as we talk about this. So what does love externalized look like? So Richard Wormbrand was a um, Lutheran minister in Romania during World War II. Him and his wife uh, ministered to the Romanian people when the Germans occupied Romania and people were fleeing, especially Christians, were fleeing that country, they did not look on this with fear. Love had been internalized with them. Love is being externalized. They did not view something to be afraid of. They viewed this as an opportunity. Man, normally if you want to go on a missions trip, you've got to raise money, you've got to buy tickets, you've got to go across the world or somewhere. Man, God was bringing the mission field to them. And that was exciting for them. They viewed that as this incredible opportunity. So they're going up to tanks and, tr- and Nazi trucks as they're coming into Romania, and they're handing out tracts, and they're sharing the gospel with these German soldiers. That would be hard for any of us. I want you to know that during this time, they were Jewish, Uh, Sabina Wormbrand's family was killed in a concentration camp. They were going up to the enemy, their physical enemy, and they were sharing that love of Christ with those German people. In 1945, oh, actually, first, so the way they were repaid by the Nazi Nazis uh, that were occupying German or occupying Romania was that they were beaten, they were arrested several times, they were nearly executed for their mission. But they kept going, they kept preaching boldly. In 1945, when the communists, Romanian communists, took over the government, uh, they continued to view this as an opportunity. They continued to preach boldly. Um, one of, the, one of the ways that they did this, apparently the communists had this obsession with watches. <laughs> so I found this interesting. Uh, communists would often be 
these Soviets would often be wearing watches like four or five on their wrist at a time, and they would go up to Romanian citizens and they would demand that they give them their watch. So they had all these watches. So obviously, Romanian people needed to buy new watches. So what they could do was they could go to the, the communist barracks or the Soviet barracks and uh, buy a watch, oftentimes buying back their own watch. Again, Richard Wormbrand saw this as an opportunity to share the love of Christ. So one time he's in there and he starts to share the gospel and he's talking to a soldier and the soldier stops him and says, look, I want to hear about your Jesus. These men around me, they are, they're good. They want to hear about your Jesus. But there are many here who will not. So he said, sit down here. You tell us about Jesus. But if I put my hand on your leg, you start talking about watches. So they're having this conversation and suddenly a soldier comes by and he puts his hand on Richard's leg and he stops immediately. He's just talking about watches and the guy goes by and the, the soldier that he was witnessing to said, I didn't trust him. So, but Richard was bold in continuing to share the gospel. So what happens in communist countries when you share the gospel? Sabina Wormbrandt spent three years in prison. Richard had a total of 13 and a half years in prison. It's not a prison like a prison we have today. This was a prison that began with torture. Most of the time you were there, you were being tortured. Uh, some of the torture that uh, they went through in the male prisons, um, at least, was they had fingernails removed. They got put into ice boxes until they were near death. When they were near death, they would be pulled out, warmed up enough to where they could get back up again. They'd stick them back in the ice box. They uh, put chains around the, their wrist and chained them up, and there were nails inside those bracelets. So if they moved their hands at all, they were being stabbed. Uh, they were put in standing boxes that had razors um, through the wood, so just enough room for you to stand in. So the second you back up or anything, again, excruciating pain. Uh, the worst pain that Richard Wormbrand said that he went through was they beat the bottom of his feet with, with a rod until the flesh was hanging off of his feet. Then they let him go back to his cell. They brought him back the next day and they started again until they could see bone. He said that was probably the worst punishment he went through. He took off his shirt in front of Congress uh, once he moved to the U.S. and was showing all the scars that he had on him. But here's the worst punishment that one of the soldiers faced. He refused to renounce God he refused to give up the names of the other Christians in the area. And they beat him, and they beat him, and they beat him, and he would not, he would not um, give in. So they brought his teenage son in, and they started to threaten him that this is what's going to happen to your son. He was about to give in. And uh, after spending that time with Eli, <laughs> you know, I get really emotional because all I see is Eli um, and watching him go through pain, I can't imagine watching your son go through this. So, he was about to give in, and his son looked at him and said, don't. Don't do it. So he didn't, and they beat his son to death right in front of him. That is one of the hardest things, but they did not give up their faith. You see, and, and uh, first I want to stop there a second. So I want you to ask yourself, how would you respond? How would you respond to being tortured? How would you respond to seeing somebody you love tortured? 
Jessica and I have actually had this, conversa this conversation, um, believing that that's not that far off for us. It's a real possibility in our lifetime. Um, and we have talked about what are we doing if this happens? And having that conversation that it's not that I don't love you, it's not that I don't love your children, our children, but we will not renounce Christ. And hoping that when the time comes that I have the strength to follow through with that, that she has the strength to follow through with that. Because we have a real misconception about persecution in this church, in this, not this church, in this country. Believe it or not, your Christian Facebook post getting taken off, face, getting taken off Facebook, that's not persecution. <laughs> Somebody not agreeing with you, not persecution. You know, being told that you've got to take a couple months off, as much as we may dislike it, not persecution. When Jesus was talking about persecution, he is talking about what these Romanian prisoners were going through. He was talking about what the early church went through. When Christians under Nero were wrapped up in beeswax and lit on fire and lighting Nero's parties for their faith, they were being fed to animals. That is the persecution Jesus was talking about. We have a very misconceived notion about what persecution is. And we really need to start thinking about that and understanding what is persecution. The Wormbrands understood persecution. We've never been tested. They have been tested. And the result of that testing was love externalized. Because we question how would we treat somebody who was torturing us or doing this to our children? I want to tell you how Richard Wormbrand and these prisoners handled it, how love was externalized in that prison that they were in. Richard Wormbrand says that eventually in a communist country, everyone ends up in prison, especially if you're a guard or a political official. Everybody ends up in prison at one point or another. So if you're one of these guards who have been torturing prisoners as they come in, what do you think happens to you when you are finally arrested and thrown into that prison? Their survival rate was very small. But what Richard Wormbrand and these other prisoners did was they would try to get to these guards first. There's one example where a guard is thrown into prison, the other prisoners are coming for him, but the Christians reached him first and they encircled this guard and they took the beating from the other prisoners who were trying to get through them to the guard. They took the beating for him. Richard Wormbrand shares that uh, they were given one piece of bread a week. Now, I have a really hard time conceptualizing that. When I think of a piece of bread, I'm thinking of a piece of sandwich bread and thinking, how are you living on that for a week? So I don't know what piece of bread meant to them, but it wasn't much, obviously. They were given one piece of bread a week. So when some of these guards were put in near death because they have been tortured now, they're starving, these uh, Christians would give up their bread to feed that guard. They would give up their medicine to take care of these guards. That is love externalized. That is a love that is overflowing. And when what love is externalized, 
the next thing we see is love actualized. In Romans 12, 21, we'll read it again. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I, I read this and I think of Martin Luther King, who, in quoting scripture, but I like the way he says it. He talks about darkness can never drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate can never drive out hate. Only love can do that. What happened with these guards when the love was actualized in them, guards, the soldiers that they witnessed to, the other prisoners um, in that uh, prison system, is that love became internalized into their life. A lot of time, guards would uh, finally be released from prison and they would find these underground churches. They had accepted Christ. They had become part of that body. Love was now actualized in them. It's the same way that love is, was originally actualized in us through Jesus Christ. We are filled with that love. That love overflows. And that love starts to fill other people. Then they get filled, they overflow. And it fills the next person. That is how we build the church. That is how we create disciples. So love has taken us from brokenness to restoration. It was actualized in Jesus Christ, and it can be externalized in you, his church. We're going to take a minute, and we're going to pray. And then uh, Pastor Joe's going to share with us some, some announcements, and then after that, we'll do the benediction. We're kind of still trying to figure out the flow of the service. But, you know, right now, I just want to take a moment to pray. And we're going to, um, I'm just going to let you have a moment in silence praying first. I'm going to close this out. Because I want these ideas to be internalized within you. That we really think, what does it mean when love fills me? What does that look like? How do I respond? Heavenly Father, oh, I thank you for this day, Lord. I pray that you would speak to us right now as we take this moment of silence. I pray you'd reveal to us whatever you have for each one of us, Father. Speak, Lord. Father God, I pray that, uh, that we would remember these thoughts throughout the week, that we would have a desire to have love become internalized within us to the point that we are overflowing, Father. I pray that throughout this week, we would just, you would just keep speaking, you would just keep reaching out to us, grabbing us, sharing with us what that verse is that you would have us hold on to. I pray that we would spend time in your word, really actively seeking you, seeking what you have for us, Father. How can we take that next step in our walk with you? That we're no longer just pew warmers coming on a Sunday morning, but that we're really active in our faith, that we're really living out our faith Monday through Saturday as well, Father. Lord, do a work in us. Transform us with the renewing of our minds that we may know your will, your good, pleasing, and perfect will, Father. Lord, we thank you. Amen, Lord.